EHH Productions presents KB Cabaret, an original variety show, with your host, Bree Harvey. Hi folks, welcome to KB Cabaret. My name is Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of this show. KB Cabaret is a calabaloo of original skits, songs, poetry, and short stories. What's Calabaloo, you ask? Magic, from a child's creative imagination. I was five when I coined that word, and it's been around my family ever since. The settings originate from my hometown, Parlor City. And the stories originate from people Names, who characters, are... places, and incidents either are products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events or locales or persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental. Thank you, Bonnie. That, folks, obviously was my lawyer. Starring my friends, the Parlor City Players, Judy McMahon, Bonnie DeForest, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, and myself, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town, welcome to Parlor City, where our friends come, come out to play. When neighbors don't leave, they stay and chat a while. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. This time on KB Cabaret, we're happy to feature interviews and songs with musician and poet Ken Waldman. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. Mornings are a special time for me. My rituals are simple. A good cup of coffee, soft classical music, and a little daily feature in our local newspaper called Advice with Granny Ada. Dear Granny Ada, six months ago, I moved to a new home with my boyfriend, three hours away from my family and friends. We are both graduate students at the local university, so the move felt right. The house is great, the yard perfect for our dog, and the market is really close by. My problem is not the move, the house, or my boyfriend. The problem is with our neighbor, Mrs. Buttingham. She is in our face at every turn. When I was planting my rutabagas, she came outside and started some empty chatter about her cousin's boil on his left inner thigh. Gross. When I'm going out the door to walk the dog, she runs out of the house to chat about certain suspicious goings-on in Mrs. Patsman's apartment across the street. Last night, my boyfriend and I were working on a campaign project with some college friends, stuffing, labeling envelopes, when who should be knocking at my door but, you guessed it, Mrs. Buttingham, asking for a cup of sugar and sticking her head through the crack in the door, trying to see what's going on in our living room. She always wears binoculars on her neck and a camera in her pocket. What's up with that? I can only take so much, but we don't want to move. Could I have this nosy Parker arrested? Signed, No Privacy. Dear No Privacy, How delightful! Having a Mrs. Kravitz for a neighbor. What a pickle! No matter what you do, she will find a way to make her spy on your every move. She'll make holes in fences, cut down your bushes, and put her foot in the door of every crack. If she has to resort to buying stronger binoculars, she will. Here's a trick. Next time she's in your face, 
go up to her and tell her she's a menace to society and she'll be reported to the proper authorities. Tell her you will press charges against her and have her arrested. Tell her this report will remain in the police files and will stain her reputation in the town forever. If she persists, call the police and write an editorial in the newspaper. <laughs> this should shut her up. I could tell you to train your dog to snarl and bark every time he catches that persistent busybody scent, but perhaps that is going a little too far. You can always just ignore her. Pretend she doesn't exist. Don't answer and don't engage. Just walk away. Sooner or later, she may get tired of a non-reaction and prey on some other poor schlep for her victim du jour. Thank you for writing, and have a nice day. Granny Ada Ladies and gentlemen, Parlor City's chef extraordinaire, Beulah Deschamps, calling from... The happiest place on earth. <laughs> Where exactly is that, Beulah? Vila, Vanuatu. In the South Pacific? That's right. Everyone here is so friendly and happy. No modern conveniences for the majority population here like we are used to but they are in tune with nature. They take care of each other, and they sing all day long. No rat race to go to, huh? I suppose that's true, dear. Well, this place was little known until World War II. Parts of this area served as Allied bases. Huh. Vila is the capital of Vanuatu, which is a cluster of some 83 islands in the Coral Sea. Interesting. The waters are so clear and blue... The sands are so white, just lovely. Sounds so beautiful. Nature at its best, serene. Villa, the capital, is a relatively new republic. In 1988, it gained its independence from France and Britain. Huh. What language do the natives speak in Vanuatu? Bislama, which comes from the word biche de mar, or sea cucumber. It is widely harvested here. They speak English and French here as well. I see. And the food is very much influenced by the French. Croissants and quiche are served all over. However, you can imagine the fresh vegetables, fruit, and seafood on this island. And find any good dishes? Oh, yes. There is a traditional dish here called chicken lop-lop. <laughs> if you are a vegetarian, vegan, obviously you can omit the chicken. It is a marvelous taro root and coconut dish. With just the right heat from the chili peppers, this dish is truly amazingly delicious. Oh, sounds delicious. You said it's called lap-lap? That's right. Lap-lap should be slow-cooked over the ashes of a wood fire. But it also can be baked in an oven, which is the version of the recipe that I have said to put on to the KB Cabaret app 
for our listening audience. The ingredients are wrapped in banana leaves, which add abundant flavor. Wow. I am looking at this recipe you sent me. <laughs> this looks amazing. I recommend drinking a nice Chardonnay like a Domaine de Bernier from the Loire region with this Lop Lop recipe. This Chardonnay is unoaked since it comes from a cooler climate, giving the wine a more citrusy flavor. Stefan and I love the pairing. Hmm. How is Stefan? Well, we have some news. Uh, really? Yes, yes, we do, Brie. Stepan, would you do the honors? Absolutely. Bonjour, Mademoiselle Brie. Bonjour. I know it's about 2 a.m. there, isn't it? Yes, very early in the morning, but never too late to tell you the wonderful news. Well, tell me. I'm dying of suspense. Beulah has won two jackpots. I'm sorry. What did you just say? Beulah won one jackpot at Roulette, and she won another jackpot at the baccarat table. Wow. Not what I expected for you to say, but wow. How much? Well, let us just say enough for the U.S. government to have Beulah immediately fill out a W-2 form on the cruise. Again? Wow. When was this? Two, Two days, days ago. ago. You know, Bree. Stefan and I have been discussing what I should do with all this money, and we came up with a great idea. What? Tell me. A restaurant. You want to open a restaurant? Yes. When I get back to the States with this money, I can open a small restaurant. Now that sounds fascinating. And I can help Bueller with the legal work behind the scenes. Are you staying in America for a while, Stefan? I have to, since I have dual citizenship. There are certain obligations I have in the U.S. I own some investments in matters that uh, I need to take care of. Oh, I see. And now I have my Beulah. Oh, Stefan, you old coot. <laughs> <laughs> How wonderful. Then maybe I will get to meet you. It will be my pleasure. When are you arriving, Beulah? Next week. I'm sorry to end my travels, but it is time to come home and start a new thrilling chapter in my life. I am so happy for you, Beulah. Well, it is time to go to sleep. You downloaded the Lop Lop recipe, right, Bree? Yes, yes, I did. Well, good. Good night. Good night, mademoiselle. <laughs> good night, you two. Well, what do you know? Beulah wins two jackpots and is opening a restaurant with the help of her French-American judge boyfriend. <laughs> Only Beulah can fall into the water and come out with a big fish. I will post this amazing recipe from the South Pacific Islands, Chicken Lap Lap, along with Beulah's suggestion for the Chardonnay pairing. You can find these and all of her other amazing recipes exclusively on our app. Just go to our website, kbcabaret.com. That's kbkabaret.com, and download yours today. Hmm. I think I'll make these tonight. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Oh, let's go in here. Okay. This restaurant looks nice. Yeah, if you're into retro kitsch. I love the view. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, table for two on the terrace? Oh, yes, please. Right this way. You want to sit here? 
Why, you don't? It's overlooking the pier. No, it's right next to the tiki bar. So? I don't want to be next to the traffic of a tiki. Okay, okay, honey. Oh, is that table in the middle of the terrace free? <sighs> I'll have it cleaned off for you. I'll be right back. I hope they have something from the menu I can order. Well, why wouldn't they? It's a fish place. Well, that doesn't mean they don't serve other things. Whatever. Let's just get this over with. Your table is ready now. This way, please. This is perfect. Here are your menus, and your server, Andrea, will be right with you. Thank you. Better now, honey. If they turn down the fans... It's blowing right in my face. Well, let's switch places. I like the air. You don't have to sacrifice your comfort for me, you know. I already did 15 years ago when I married you. I'm used to it. Let's just switch places. There. Wow, this is a huge menu. What's Kobe beef? It's Primo beef. The best. I read somewhere the livestock get massages to make their meat tender. Well, that's just gross. And look at the price of this burger. $9.99 for a 10-ounce Kobe burger? That's cheap. And it comes with fried onions. You love fried onions. I don't like the rings. I like them thin and loose. You know, tossed like in a pile. Just ask. Here comes our server, I think. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'll be your guide for this afternoon. May I start you off with some drinks? Guide? Well, we're servers, really, but we call ourselves guides here. Whatever. This Kodak burger. You mean the Kobe burger, sir? Yeah, I guess. The onion rings it comes with. Is it fat and round or skinny and string-like? Actually, they're like praying hands. Fingers folded together. I don't think I'm going to like eating fingers. You have french fries instead? Yes, we do. Are they fat or skinny? Skinny. Okay, they're skinny, but are they crispy? Do they have a crunch when you bite into it? Oh, yes. They're double fried. So they're greasy. No, they're not greasy. You'll love them, honey. Just order the burger and fries, Harry. Okay, but if I don't like them, I'm sending it back. How would you like the burger? Cooked. Well done? Yeah, no pink, but don't burn it. And don't make it hard. I'll send it back if it's hard. And you, ma'am? I'll have a dozen of the raw oysters on a half shell. Anything else? Oh, just water. With light ice. But I don't want just one or two cubes, and I hate it when the glass is filled halfway with ice. So, six cubes of ice good? Are you trying to be funny? No, sir. Just do your job right. That's all I'm asking. Yes, sir. I'll be back with the waters. Well, she's not getting a tip. Harry, just stop it. What are you on about? You always do this. You complain and you don't like anything. Don't you see how beautiful this place is? Look at the gorgeous view we have of the harbor. Look, there are dolphins and seagulls and sailboats lighting up. Fine, fine. Here are your waters. Is that the right amount of ice, sir? What's this? It's an orchid, sir. Did I ask for an orchid to be put in my water glass? I can get you another glass without it, sir. Forget it. Are you sure, sir? I said forget it! Are you happy now? What? What are you talking about? I didn't send back the water. Wow. Now see, that's your problem, Sally. 
and all the 15 years I've known you, you're never satisfied. in studio with a very, very talented and motivated gentleman. His name is Ken Waldman, and he is part of a whole production company, which is called Nomadic Productions, and he has his own performances. He gets other bands together. He goes on tour all over the world, three quarters of the year, practically. He is the poet of Alaska, from what I have read. Um, welcome. Welcome, Ken, to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It is such a pleasure to have you. You are a unique talent. Uh, You play string, fiddle. Um, You have uh, mountain music, old American music, folk music, bluegrass. But there's a twist to it. The music I've been listening has poetry within the song. And it's not sung, it's spoken. Where did you come up with this? I mean... Is this something that you are using from old historic times, or is this just a style that you developed? Well, it's something that when I started playing, let's see how to put it, when I started playing fiddle in my 20s, I was not so great on the instrument. What can I say? I was playing, but I kept at it. I was stubborn, and as I kept playing, I started in North Carolina, I was in Seattle, and then I moved up to Alaska to get what they call an MFA in creative writing, and I was writing stories, uh, fiction, and then I started writing poems, and one of the things I started writing poems about was about uh, the fiddle playing, and, and when I started getting better on playing fiddle and started doing live events, it, it made sense to combine poetry with the fiddle playing, and at first I was doing solo shows, and it's one thing to play a fiddle tune, it's another thing to do a poem about fiddle playing, but I thought it'd be better or uh, more dynamic to do a poem about playing fiddle and then play a fiddle tune with it. And as I kept on over years, what ended up happening is I had people join me, I wrote more poems about the music, and it all kind of, at 20 years on, this is what you get, you know, somebody who's traveling around and doing shows with lots of different people. You are a writer, you're also a teacher, and you've published your poetry, have you not? I, I have one of those MFA in creative writings. I have six. I guess I just had a seventh poetry collection come out. I have a memoir, kids' book, and I'm trying to get published a novel, a story collection. I've had poems and stories in lots of literary journals. I mean, I think, in fact, I'm, I'm primarily a writer who also was able to play fiddle at a level that I can uh, you know, record, perform and play with people who are pretty wonderful. But Mm. the writing, I think without the writing, I wouldn't be going around. But also without the fiddle, I wouldn't be going around. Mm. I have them both. You go to schools, you travel, you tour over the country. As I said, you bring other talents together. You actually uh, have square dancing as well? Uh, Occasionally with square dancing. That's not my strength. I I know people who are much better as dance fiddlers, but I... I do a lot of work in schools everywhere from elementary schools and even working as young as kindergartners, first graders, but also middle schools, high schools. I'm a visiting writer at universities. So it's a mix. It depends who I meet, what their budgets are, and how we can talk about having me go you know, to a place and make it. The uh, programs, especially with the schools, are interdisciplinary, both music and with the writing. It's a combination. I'm actually 
able on occasion to sell because it's part of the curriculum with the writing, but also with the music. It is truly appreciated uh, how you are diverse, but you also are a giver. I truly think that's what I would like to consider. You are a giver because you give from your soul. Any poet, any writer doesn't just write. They write from within, and it comes out through words, music, pictures, all of that, and you have it all. We're going to listen to the first song that I chose to play, which is called Tom and Sally's Waltz. I was immediately intrigued by the story that you have to tell as you are playing the fiddle. Tell us something about this song. There's a couple that I got to know when I, my first few years in Alaska, I, I hadn't been uh, hadn't been there that long, but I was a single guy, and I go, God, here's this couple that have gotten together, Tom Kazai, who's a, who's a wonderful writer, and then Sally Kamish, who was a wonderful fiddle player. And I thought, I'm doing it all myself, and here's a couple who's a writer, and also a musician, fiddle player, who got together, got married, and in a sense, the poem and then the fiddle tune was a wedding present for them. Hmm. So, oh, that's lovely. It came to be. In, and in actuality, the poetry and the music are sort of a marriage together. So it is appropriate that you played this for them, metaphorically speaking. Let's listen to Tom and Sally's Waltz. Thank you. 
Hey, Jerry, why weren't you at the meeting? What meeting, Mr. Edwards? The staff meeting. It's at 10 o'clock this morning. Attendance was mandatory. Why weren't you there? I thought the staff meeting was tomorrow. Well, why would you think that? Well, Pearl sent out an email saying the staff meeting was tomorrow. See? Here it is. Mandatory staff meeting, 10 a.m. tomorrow. She sent the email yesterday. So that tomorrow means today. But I didn't see the email till today. So that tomorrow means tomorrow. I can't help it if you don't keep up on your email, Jerry. Tomorrow means today because it was yesterday. Tomorrow means today because it was yesterday. How is anyone supposed to understand that? Nobody else had any trouble understanding it. Hey, Helen, when was the mandatory staff meeting? 10 a.m. today, Mr. Edwards. And how did you know that, Helen? Pearl sent an email saying that there was a mandatory staff meeting at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And when did she send it? Yesterday. See, Jerry? Tomorrow means today because it was yesterday. I'm confused. No one else is. Are you confused, Helen? No, no, I'm not, Mr. Edwards. That's because I was at your staff meeting at 10 a.m. today. Helen, could you possibly be any more obsequious? Jerry, you may have a $50 vocabulary, but you don't know the difference between today and tomorrow. I do know the difference between today and tomorrow. But today, tomorrow means tomorrow, not today. That's because it wasn't today, it was yesterday. Bye, Jerry. See you tomorrow. Or will it be today? Maybe the day after tomorrow. <laughs> oh, man. I wish it was yesterday. Hey, Pearl, can I have a word with you? I'm busy today. How about tomorrow? No, it's got to be today. It's about yesterday. I can't do anything about yesterday, Jerry. I can only control today and tomorrow. But yesterday you sent out an email saying the mandatory staff meeting was tomorrow. Yesterday it was tomorrow. But not today. That's enough for today. By the way, you better see Mr. Edwards to find out what you missed at the staff meeting today. Tomorrow? No, today. By tomorrow, it'll be today again. Then it'll be too late. Too late for what? Too late for today. Bye, Jerry. See you tomorrow. Although you'll probably think it's still yesterday. <laughs> I better go see the boss today. Mr. Edwards, I'm confused again. That's because you weren't at the mandatory staff meeting. Have you checked your email today? Yes. That's why I thought the staff meeting was tomorrow. Well, there's another mandatory meeting tomorrow. Tomorrow or today? Jerry, are you deliberately trying to cause trouble? Because I've had enough trouble for today. What about tomorrow? Just be at the meeting. As of today, anyone who misses two mandatory meetings gets fired tomorrow. But I don't know when the meeting is. Is it today or tomorrow? Check your email. Today? Tomorrow. Well, I sure hope tomorrow's meeting isn't today, or I'll only have today and tomorrow to find another job after I get fired because of yesterday. boy, Jerry. Now you're starting to think like the rest of us. See you tomorrow. But by the time you notice, it'll probably be yesterday again. <laughs> All right, we're back. And I'm intrigued by this. I'm intrigued by several things about you. One is you have several residences. You have two residences, from, from what I hear. One is in a remote part of the of this country. Well, yes and no. I mean, Alaska's far. And I've lived, I moved to Alaska in the mid-'80s for graduate school in a place called Fairbanks, which is in the interior. I've lived in Alaska, Fairbanks. I lived in Juneau, lived in Sitka, lived in Nome. 
back to Juneau, and then Anchorage, which is my nominal residence now. And Anchorage is it's remote, but it's also the big city of Alaska. It's a it's a community of three hundred and fifty thousand people. So yeah. it's so, so it's, as remote as it is, it's not a small place. No, it's a good sized city, and if you have money to fly out, you can fly out like any hour of the day. And there's planes going not just to Seattle or other parts of Alaska, but you know they have nonstop flights. I think you can stuff to Los Angeles. I mean, I'm, I'm rarely in Alaska these days, but I was there full-time for a long time. But all the places that you've been in our country, what is your favorite area? I've loved being an Alaska resident. I have a second home these days around Lafayette, Louisiana. I, I love it there. The great art, great music scene, people who know the Cajun music or the Zydeco. Oh, um, I it's love really that. wonderful. You know, I mean, every place is wonderful in its way because especially when I'm going places, the people who I'm meeting are involved with either with the music community, the literary arts community, the education community. So I'm meeting wonderful people. And to me, it's about people everywhere I go. There's some places that I may be, you know, all things being equal, there may be more equal, but everywhere I go, I go with an open mind. I'd like to take an open heart and just go, well, here I am, and it's going to be wonderful. It may not be a place where I would maybe choose to live my whole life, but then even when I'm choosing places to live my life, I'm not there very much anyway. Every place is wonderful, Bree, I think. And so is the food, and this is my segue to your next song. And the song is called, I'm intrigued by this because I'm a foodie and I, I consider myself a gourmet cook. As a matter of fact, we have a cooking segment on our show. Oh, okay. Um, Beulah is our cook. But this is called When Meat Was Meat. And let me say that again. When Meat Was Meat. Do tell me about this because, again, you're playing the fiddle and you are telling a story. I'm intrigued. It's a poem that was in one of my collections and I put the fiddle tune that I made up with the poem. It seemed to fit. And I remember early on when I it was played on, I want to say it was in Eugene, Oregon, and the host of the radio show just said, well, it's, it's amazing you're talking about your family. And I said, well, it's a poem, and poems can be, in a sense, fact, but poems can also be fiction. You can you can make up things. So it's not a true story. It's not my real family, but it's, it's as if a family. It was an exercise. I did an exercise with some postcards, and there was, I think, a postcard with some shuffleboard in a place in St. Petersburg, and there was, I think, another one with a cable car, and I think I started 1920 when meat was meat, which I guess went before there were meat substitutes or other protein things you could eat that was meat-like, and it seemed like a simpler time, and I made up a poem that I think was pretty successful and works with that particular fiddle tune with recorded. It was with a friend of mine, Mark Tamzula, from Pittsburgh area, who's a really fine fiddler, and we decided to record it with just twin fiddles, which even though it's not Cajun fiddling per se, the way Mark was seconding it, it had a feel of uh, maybe Louisiana a little bit too. I'm always fond of that tune and poem and how it was recorded. I think it worked out pretty well. So let's listen to this tune and poem called When Meat Was Meat. We'll be right back. (音楽) ¶¶ 
when meat was meat. 1920 when meat was meat, when retirees in St. Pete, Florida's sunshine town, played a mean cutthroat shuffleboard at Mirror Lake. When the century was rickety rickety as a cable car climbing some San Francisco street, her eyes shone, my grandma, prettiest female sweet in the history of Benji's fine time, Cajun cuisine. Her eyes like opals the moment she spotted him, her oldest dream, a real Frenchman, dashing out of that Louisiana rain to take an open table in her section. This young man, my grandpa, who ordered gumbo and jambalaya both, singing he had found the queen of queens, her honey breath layering the neatest, freshest, best-looking, most perfect helping of whiskey bread pudding he'd ever seen. Judging by the frantic knocking and the finger over the peephole, I'm going to guess it's Screwy Louie from down the hall. Jack, open the door. Let me in. Hurry! Oh, not this again. You're not going to let him in, are you? We've been through this before, Clara. He'll never leave if I don't. Jack, it's me, Louie. Let me in! Louie! What a surprise. It's no surprise to me, Jack. I know what's going on. You do? Yes. Don't you hear them? Hear what, Louie? The voices, Jack. The voices. Can't you hear them? The only voices I've heard today came from Clara and the TV. And, well, now you. No, I'm talking about the ones you can only hear in your head. Jeez, Louie. I don't know what to tell you. I never do. Shh. Don't tell me anything. Just listen. Can you hear them now? Can't say that I do. Maybe they... Shh. How about now? Nope. Still not getting anything. Hmm. Louie, what are the voices telling you to do? Run. That's it? Run? Run where? You know, that's the odd thing about it. The voice doesn't say where. And that's the odd thing about all this? I came to you for clarity, Jack. And here you are. Look, you're the only person I know that doesn't seem to be affected by anything. So, where do you think the voices are coming from? Well, I'm pretty certain it's not the aliens. And my dead aunt stopped harassing me a few months ago, so I know it's not her. Could be government Wi-Fi for all I know. <gasps> oh my, oh my God, I know. Maybe it's some kind of army warfare test meant to be aimed at the enemy during a battle so they stop fighting and retreat. You know, run! Run. Yeah, run. I know who the voice is. Oh, no. Clara, no. You know? Tell me, Clara. I need to know. And here she goes. Sounds to me like it's the gump. The what? The gump, Louie. The gump. 
He was that crazy genius guy who ate chocolate, sold shrimp, and ran coast to coast over and over. Nobody really knows why he did anything or, or what happened to him, but we do know that he only speaks to the Chosen Ones. I'm a Chosen One? Oh, Clara. It's okay, Jack. He needs to know the truth. What truth? The gump truth, Louis. What's the gump truth? When the gump tells you to do something, you do it. No questions asked. Then what am I doing here? Why hasn't he told me where to run to? That's because the gump knows that you are incapable to fully comprehend the complexities of his message. So he sent you here for us to explain it to you. Now, Louis, think very carefully about what I am going to ask you, because the wrong answer could mean the end. The end of what? The end of everything as we know it, Louis. Oh, everything? Focus, Louis. Focus. Okay, okay, I'm focused. Now, did the gump tell you to eat chocolate? No. Did he tell you to sell shrimp? No. Then you'd better start running. Where? To the coast, Louis. Which one? Start with the closest. Well, what do I do when I get there? You stop, turn around, and then run to the other coast. And then what do I do? Same thing. You stop. You turn around and do it again, over and over, coast to coast, until... Un until what? Until your beard gets about eight to ten inches long. And then I can stop running? And then you come home. Go now. Before the gump becomes angry, trust me, Louis, you don't want to tangle with an angry gump. Check my mail for me while I'm gone. Clara, that was mean. Aren't you just the teeniest bit curious about what Screwy Louie is going to look like when he comes back with a beard? Sure, but that's not going to be for another six months or so. You can thank me later. And I am back again with Ken Waldman, an amazing fiddle player, amazing businessman, a poet, a writer. This next song that we're going to be playing is called Burnt Down House. Now, it does take place in Alaska, and it seems like you are meeting a friend who is usually in chipper mood and is a musician. Is this a true story? That is uh, definitely truer uh, and pretty true with it that he was, when I tell the story as that recording has with it, I do all these in various ways. This was recorded not live, but as if live, telling a story. I often say, well, this is a happy music, playing this old-time traditional string band music, and people who play it are pretty happy, and this one fella, when I saw him, who I know was not happy, and as it happened, you know, the burnt-down house is his cabin on Douglas Island, Juneau, Juneau, Alaska, but there's an island across from Juneau called Douglas, in a cabin, and it was a fire, and in his case, lost everything, or virtually everything, and he had really fine music instruments and the fire took those instruments Fine. in the next week and weeks as people were in a tight-knit community people try to make things right though his name's jack fontanella as people found jack a place to live as people raised some money and got him a guitar i a few weeks later was leading a writing workshop and my thought was I wondered what those instruments, these really nice instruments, they didn't just disappear, but they disappeared making last noises of when they were burning and turning into the nothing into the air. They made last sounds, and I tried to honor that and 
make up a poem, and I did, and then some weeks or maybe a few months later, asked him permission if he wanted a, a fiddle tune to go along with the poem, and he said, okay, and that's what he got, burnt down house with the poem and the fiddle tune. That is incredibly visual. I was getting little goosebumps as you were telling me this. All right, so let's listen to Burnt Down House, this amazingly visual, beautiful music that Ken Waldman has written. banjo music, this old time music is happy music, and people who play it are usually pretty happy too. Even if you're not in a good mood, you play this, you're pretty happy. And I was living in Juneau, Alaska, and I was in the post office one day, and I saw one of my friends who plays this kind of music. His name's Jack Fontanella, and he's usually really pretty happy. I saw him in the post office, and he was not looking happy. And I said, Jack, how are you doing? And he said, not so good. I said, not so good. He said, yeah, house burned down. And two days before I saw him, there was a fire. His house burned down and he lost all his musical instruments. And I thought about that for a while. And a few weeks after that, I sat down and I wrote a poem. It's called Burnt Down House for Jack Fontanella. The night of the cabin fire in the midst of cupboards and kitchenware, closets and clothes, when the flames came picking. I'd like to think how the two guitars, mandolin, banjo, bass, and fiddle might have jumped out of their skins a moment to make the craziest, most raucous caterwauling noise. Enough ride as Jabberwock to fuel a dozen generations of old time string bands before slipping back into maple to smoke hot and ripe. The instrument's last bright Denali Festival of Sound. Well, I wrote that poem and I gave a copy to Jack who, well, I heard he had it on the refrigerator, the new house he was living in, and he, I heard he liked the poem. And I saw him, it was a month or two after that, and we talked about how he liked the poem. And I said, Jack, if you want, I make up fiddle tunes. I'll make up one for you called Burnt Down House if you want. And he said, okay. So what you're hearing is the tune I made up and it even has a little song to go with it.
Another perfectly good night wasted. I am so tired. Oh, coffee. I need coffee. Oh, let's see here. Sugar, sugar substitute. What's this? Well, how did this bag of dog treats get in here? Men. I'll talk to Joey about this later. Ah, here. Folgers. Oh, wonderful, wonderful coffee. Ah, mm, the best part of waking up. <laughs> Spoon. Ah, there. Oh, lovely, lovely coffee. Now water. Oh, gross. Joey, would it kill him to rinse the coffee pot out? Oh, much better. And on. What the... Why isn't the coffee pot coming on? It's not coming on. Is it plugged in? Yeah. Huh, Joey, he broke the coffee pot. This is not happening. I need my coffee. Oh, wait, I have another pot somewhere. Aha, coffee pot, yes. Rinse, 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 and I'll just transfer the filter... And press. Yes, and it works. <gasps> coffee, coffee, coffee. Wonderful, beautiful. Co What's this? Clear water. Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? Clear water? Why isn't the water coffee colored? I can't believe this. The world is against me. I need my coffee. Oh, well, I guess I'll have to go to the drive through Where's my coat? Geez, who'd have thought that there were this many coffee drinkers at 6 o'clock in the morning? Welcome to Coffee Hut. What can I get you? An extra-large coffee black. Lava roast, fair roast, terry roast, or mellow mata hairy roast? Oh, I don't know. Just surprise me. Just make it black. Regular, decaf, or half and half? Regular. Oh, and uh, put an ice cube or two in the coffee so I can drink it. Okay. Pull up and I'll give you your total. Geez, this coffee is still hot. I'll blow on it a little. Could the lid be on any tighter? Oh, no! Hello? Joey? Yeah. Who is this? Your wife, Joey. What are you doing on the phone? I'm in the hospital, Joey. Hospital? Yes, Joey. General Hospital Emergency Room. I have a concussion and third-degree burns, Joey, and it's all your fault. My fault? About. Just pick me up, Joey. We'll talk about divorce proceedings after I have my cup of coffee. Well, we are at the last part of our segment, Ken, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on our show. It's always a pleasure meeting people who are dynamic, but you take the spectrum of dynamic. Uh -huh. Well, well, thank you for the kind words. I'm honored to be here on the show. I am very honored that you are here. This next song and the final song that we are going to be playing, I will be getting into in a second. But I just want to tell our listening audience that Ken Waldman's website is linked to our website on kbcabaret.com. And you can find out all about him and anything that any tour that he's going on or the things that he is selling in his store. And it is going to be linked to our kbcabaret.com. That's kbkabaret.com. So the final song, Ken, that we are going to be playing, well, it reminds me of a Shel Silberstein poem, and it's called A Week in Eek. 
It's funny and it's clever. And it is, again, played with the strings behind. So tell me about the inspiration for this particular song called A Week in Eek. Oh, I can tell you exactly what's happened with this, is that as a long-time Alaska resident, I've done a lot of stuff in rural Alaska native villages, and there is a village called Eek, E-E-K, it's a uh-huh. Eskimo village. There was a principal at the school there, every village has a school, and I remember this is a, this is a while ago, this is back in the 90s, and so his name was Dave Warren, and he got the idea that instead of having some sport to have kids travel as they, as they did, he'd have a, a writer's an author's festival, Eek Authors Festival, and I was invited four different times for that. But how this particular fiddle tune and poem came to be, I was in Anchorage. There's In January every year, there's an Anchorage Folk Festival, and I was on stage on a Sunday night, and when I'm on stage, I don't just play and do the poems. I talk, tell a story or two, and I was explaining what I'd be doing the next which was going from Anchorage to get to the airport, to fly from Anchorage to a, a community called Bethel, and then I'm from Smallard, which was Eek. And I said, I'm going to be in Eek for a week. And when I said that on stage, I said, uh-oh, I think I'd better write a poem called A Week in Eek. And <laughs> it took some months to do justice, and as you hear the poem, I kind of, I didn't put every Eek sound that I could, but I certainly put a bunch in in a short bit of time, you know, kids Sneakers squeaking across the East School gym floor, streaking towards baskets, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I made up the poem, and then it felt like it needed a playful fiddle tune to go with it, and came up with a tune that fits. And between Burntdown House and Week and Eek, those are originals of mine, and I do them an awful lot. So I, <laughs> I'm happy that I was able to share them with you, and that you're going to have them on the show here. I am very happy that you're sharing this with all of us, myself, the listening audience, and actually the whole country. So I want to, again... From the bottom of my heart, thank you, Ken, for being on our show. Ken Waldman, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. And we will be leaving with this wonderful, clever, funny song called A Week in Eek. This is Bree Harvey. See you next time on the radio. writer and I've been to Eek. As a writer, a place called Eek, I'm going to write about it. The first time I was there, it was over Valentine's Day. So I wrote a poem called, This Valentine's Day I Write You From Eek. And I went back to Eek. There was an Eek Authors Festival and I was first in Anchorage. I was on stage. I was playing my fiddle. And I was talking to everybody, and I was saying how the next day I was flying from Anchorage to Bethel, Bethel to Eek, and I'd be there for a week. And I said I'd better write a poem called A Week in Eek. So here it is, A Week in Eek. Kids in sneakers squeaking across the Eek school gym floor, streaking towards baskets, or else sneaking out of class to steal a joke, or a peek at uncle's or cousin's sleep new Arctic cat. Meek kids, cheeky kids, rural chic kids, geeks, kids that speak weak and dupic, and village English at least articles. The and uh in particular making language go creep. So nice. Eek winter days, not quick, not slow, just a dark, freaky trick like the snaky bow of a rogue bachelor gussock playing fiddle those decades back. Unique eek. 
Where weeks pass in a day, an hour last weeks. Times as wild as any, Dr. Seuss might seek. So I wrote that poem a week and eek, and then I was invited back to another Eek Authors Festival. And it was on my birthday, my 43rd birthday, so I wrote a poem called 43rd Birthday Eek. YK Delta Creeks on the cusp of slushy, clouds on truce for a day, I flew once more to that village near the mouth of the Kuskokwim. I, it means, in Yupik, though no one could say if I referred to those few good yards of elevation in vast white flatlands or its spot amidst water. Eek, I say in English, eek like a mouse or small bird, eek like an echo, eek like screechy fiddle, eek like a high school kid with pencil vexed at the intricacies of language. Eek, eek like a sixth grader in sleeping bag jabbering to a pal after lights out. Eek, eek, the reply. Eek, eek, fireworks sizzling or fizzling. Eek, 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 my third consecutive year, a celebration of ice cream and cake, candles, many young friends whose names I'll never know. That's all for today's show. I'd like to thank all of our guests for being on KB Cabaret. I'm always awed with the amazing talent out there. Thank you to my hardworking crew, co-workers, and actors John Kerry, John Montgomery, actors Junie McMahon, and Bonnie DeForest. My amazing sound engineer and actor, newlywed, Charles Berman. His assistant, Valentine Monfuega. My music engineer, David Rice of Basement Studios, who <laughs> makes me sound better than I am. And a special shout-out to Christina Dilnella, who plays one mean piano and now works in musical theater in New York City. Of course, a special thank you to you, dear KB Cabaret audience, for stopping by and listening to our show. We certainly couldn't do this without you. If any of you have a hankering to write or sing for our show, contact me. Bree Harvey through the show submission page. Let me see what you've got. And sponsors, you want your name heard by over 150,000 listening audience members all over the country and as far as Australia? <laughs> Hello, mates. Then KB Cabaret is the place to be. Just give me a shout out on kbcabaret.com. That's kbkabaret.com. I'm Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of KB Cabaret. See you next week on the radio. Thank you for coming, coming to stay a while. Thank you for coming to spend some time. We love to have you and share our parlor city. Come back again now to KB Cabaret.